Well, I would say the inherent need for trust is, and even what you trust yourself, because sometimes we don't even trust our own judgment, is without information from some source, it's hard to make decisions. If you don't make decisions, then you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, then you're not moving forward. And not moving forward is not being human. A lot of us are really good at being stagnant, but we're not being true to what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be progressive, supposed to be continuous improvement moving forward. So I think that those of us who seek it out more is because we know that we can't do it by ourselves and we need the other people that we can trust to fill in those gaps or provide that opportunity or that connection to help to take that next step, wherever that makes next step may be. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this podcast, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. You can click on podcast. Go down to download this episode on Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the different. You can even listen to the episode on our website. And, of course, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, on our homepage, click Find a Trusted Professional, and we will get you connected with someone just as advanced as the Span Group. But more importantly for today, you can click on Podcasts and Read More, Part 2 because we have a guest that has returned to give us some more wisdom and updates of some changes that has happened. Welcome, Kevin Davis, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good, Jeremy. How are you doing? Man, good you know, just, you know, there, there, there's that saying, you can burn a candle at both ends. The problem is, is when you start to run out of wax in the middle, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I've felt that burn a few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally, no pun intended, right? <laughs> Exactly. And, and as you know, I tell fantastic jokes. It's right. part of this of from my father-in-law, right? right. As, as you sympathetically laughed last time you are in here, mm-hmm. I can expect you to do that this one again. <laughs> is, you know, and I thought this one was kind of fitting for the weird weather we've been having yeah, right here no in doubt. Texas. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of rain. So, and I think you'll really be in that you've okay. made a transition from TCU's executive MBA program onto other things. But being mm-hmm. that you came from that academic space, I thought you'd appreciate this one. Okay. Weather. All right. You ready? All right. All right. Yeah. Tell me Texas isn't made for the cold weather without telling me Texas isn't made for the cold weather. And I'll go first. My online class got canceled due to snow. (laughs) (laughs) That actually happened. Not for the EMBA program, but... <laughs> You're like, hey, guys, we're going to cancel online classes because there's snow outside. So everybody stay in so your pajamas. what's funny, Jeremy, about that is I resigned from my position at TCU, I think, when I had my power on for maybe an hour at that time. Because we that's it was the first day of the rolling blackouts. Oh, That's yeah. the day I resigned. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yet, uh, and if I recall correctly... Classes were closed for most because they everybody didn't have power, so that actually did happen. So 
That is. Funny, <laughs> I, had, I had. I actually had no idea. I, I was googling jokes, and I was like, "No, actually." And then my daughter was one of them. So you know, because <laughs> public school, school was out that week. And, and you know, and in the funny, even online. Yeah. The yeah. funny thing is, is February fourteenth, Valentine's Day was yeah. on a Sunday, right. and I was scheduled to be on a flight that morning to come back here uh-huh. from Colorado mm-hmm. because I had all these meetings set up, and the night before, two of the meetings. It, canceled and then that morning right when i was getting ready to leave for the airport mm. another one a major meeting that i had canceled and i was like uh you know what I, and, and that same day or that same during that same time wolf creek the mountain i go skiing on was, was getting like three feet of powder okay, and i was right. like i'm just gonna go ahead and cancel my trip mm-hmm. which i'm glad i did because all i would have done is flown back in here even if i could have landed right Right. then i would have done nothing but sit in a house for a week which would have drove me nuts so instead i went skiing and then turned around maybe i should have come back because i had an incident on the mountain which ended up tearing getting a tear in my knee that oh yeah yeah. and it's not even a sexy story like i wasn't doing like a really cool acrobatic olympic style jump i was just going through deep snow came up on some trees turned fell goofy and and i was telling laura i was like you know after 50 years of being almost 50 years of being on this planet almost half a century all the things that i could have done to hurt myself I just fell funny. Like that happens, man. It does. <laughs> like I was like, man, I need to make up like a story is like I was fighting a grizzly bear or something like that, you know, because he was trying to make out with Laura or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that should have been the joke, right? That should have been the joke. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so no, for, actually, getting older, definitely, I actually hurt my knee playing basketball over twenty years ago. And probably, I think, when Taylor was two, so about 10 years ago, I was walking in the house, and I cut a corner in the house, going from one room to the next too quickly, and all of a sudden I felt tweaking my knee. And it was that same injury. So every once in a while, if I move in a certain direction, then I feel it again. So yeah. it, just, it happens. Yeah. I, think the, I think the weirdest part, too, and I've talked about this with another episode, that is there's really that difference between being hurt and injured. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Because like when right. something stops functioning, right. like walking up the stairs and it just the leg doesn't work. Right. 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 And you're right. like, it was less about pain and more about functionality. And that's just, you know, and that's a reality that, you know, I think as humans, yeah. we get to live with is as we get older, right. you know, things don't heal as fast. And, you know, and things will break for the goofiest. It's never anything really cool. Right. right. But it, like. Man, I got a really cool story about this. That's why I feel like I need to fabricate things. So, what? Kevin's journey, if the audience is listening to this episode, you can go back and find Kevin Davis's first episode where we talk about his journey Mm -hmm. to where he's Mm -hmm. got. And yet, his journey has continued. Yeah. Yeah. Since that last episode. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, February 15th, as uh, power is going in and out, rolling blackouts and all that. Opportunity presented itself where I decided to move on from the role I had at TCU as Director of External Relations and Recruiting for the EMBA program and join a company called Game Plan. Uh, Game Plan is an education technology company that works with uh, athletes at all levels of athletics, whether it be the pro athletes with the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, we've worked with in the past, college athletic departments uh, around the country, including TCU, as well as some high school and youth organizations. And the objective is, ironically, 
is to power their journey. Athletes are not athletes forever. So therefore, eventually they have to get a job or have a career outside of athletics. For most of them, over 90, almost 100% of them, that journey ends after college. For a lot of others, it ends after high school. So, but yet athletics provides them with the identity that they go through a certain transition. And that transition from being an athlete on scholarship or even a pro athlete who was paid a certain amount of money, at a certain point it comes to the end, and it comes to the end well before they're done living or being a professional. Similar to what you experienced twice in your career with the military and the, and the police department. So, and a lot of the experiences that a lot of your classmates and others have done. So similar in that regard. But this time is really with athletes. And we most of our the organizations work with our athletic departments at the collegiate level in the United States. So most of the journeys that we're trying to help power are going from a collegiate student athlete to working professional in business. So we provide educational development for life skills, career, but also for compliance training. So Title IX, sexual violence prevention, sports wagering courses that is required by the NCAA for, the, for each uh, athlete to take in order for them to compete. But also things related to building your resume, choosing your major, social justice, so social issues, career, life issues, all those things are online courses that we have on our platform. They're assigned out by the athletic department to help as we partner with them in the development of this athlete. But the objective is really to prepare the athlete for life after sport, whether that be once they graduate from undergrad or whether it be longer longer down the road. So Yeah. And that's and that's really fascinating because when I when I have conversations with other fellow veterans, mm-hmm. soon to be active duty to veterans mm-hmm. or leaving the PD, retiring mm-hmm. PD, is if you're not working for yourself and you're not an entrepreneur, that whatever organization you're with, either at some point you're going to put that uniform on for the last time, whether it be an athletic mm-hmm. uniform, military right. uniform, mm-hmm. and either – one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to make that choice or the entity is going to make that choice for you, yes, right? right? And so the only control you really have is if you make that decision prior to them making that decision for you, you know, so are you going to be a Peyton Manning or are you going to be a Brett Favre, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And But it ultimately, no matter how much you feel like you still have to mm-hmm. offer, someone else has that power to make that decision for you. And when that happens – have you mentally prepared exactly. for what that transition is going to mm-hmm. be? Because you find out just how, I mean, through naturally a lot of work, a lot of, you know, success and everything else to get to where you're at. But but ultimately, that no matter how much value you, you've created to get there, you're, you've lived in a comfort zone mm-hmm. for a long time. And, and now is the ambiguity of what what next right right exactly so Mm -hmm. so how does this program that you have Mm -hmm. address that in a few ways one is through education online education which is completely opposite what i was doing before obviously but yet the courses on the platform are short vignettes so we'll put it that way six to eight minutes so bite-sized chunks and what we do is, whether it be compliance training, whether it be life skills, whether it be career-related, 
providing content that can be consumed on a mobile device very quickly. The idea is not for someone to be graded. It's really more about comprehension. It's really more about do you understand enough to take action with the information being presented to you. So in each course, there'll be a short couple questions just to test the mindset or just to make sure they retain the, the information in the middle or as they go through the content. And then at the end, there's another shorter assessment. But again, the objective is not to assign an A, B, or C. It's the objective is do you understand? Yeah. Uh, do you feel more comfortable and confident as it relates to learning more about how to be more aware of which social media and how that can impact you as you pursue a job or as you pursue your athletic career? Whether it be working with organizations on policies that they have that the athletes need to follow or even the coaches or the advisors. So, But then the other part is, and this is where the growth is going to come for the company, is connecting the athletes with brands or employers. So if you were hiring someone and I were to tell you that there's a place where there are a number of young professionals who have a college degree, they are used to getting up at 5 a.m. and being done at 9 p.m. at night, they're used to following a structured schedule, they are coachable, and they are used to working within a team. Would you hire them or at least be willing to talk to them? James Peterson, I know I just hired you. You're fired. <laughs> Kevin, who do you got for him? <laughs> so you know the news, right? James no. came to oh, work with me. Oh, he did? Okay, that's good. Oh, I didn't right? know that. And, right, and, right, right, right. And, and it's funny because as we do, you know, new client engagement, we, you know, we, we always right. have a Zoom to meet the clients, mm-hmm. clients meet the team. Right. And it's become the running joke is every time he opens up, is like, hey, I'm just the new guy that's just trying to learn everything. Right. And my job is to be yelled at by Jeremy. And then he gets it gets to me and it's like, my sole job is to yell at James. <laughs> but no, that is, right. it, you know, the, right. it is really interesting to mm. hear that because I, I, I think that when people think of athletes, they don't think about all those things, right? No. They don't think like, no. hey, wait a minute. They already know how to work as a team. They're coachable. They already know how to get up early and work late. I mean, a very strong work ethics and everything else. So how, how do you go about translating that message to the potential employers to go, did you realize that this is the kind of product you're going to get? And I don't mean to dehumanize it. No, 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 You know, in my mindset, but this is the type of product you're going to get on that. So how do you go about that? Well, you know, what's interesting is that there's a number of companies that already support athletics and advertise and sponsor. So a lot of them have awareness of the opportunity. It's just that the bridge or platform to make the connection more seamless and cost-effective has not been there. So game plan has been around for over 10 years, but yet we're at that stage of growth now where we have a number of athletic departments from around the country on the platform. We're engaging them in many different ways. So we're at that next stage where we can move towards now we have the breadth of, you know, if, if, if I'm a company and I want to be able to get the best talent from the West Coast to the East Coast and I get on the plane and at least have confidence that I know who they are and where I can find them, then this is a good place to go. Uh, game plan is a good platform for an employer to do that. Because back in my days when I worked at a major Fortune 500 company, we had, we had long meetings about what schools we're going to visit because we have to plan budget to get on the plane. We're going to do a presentation on campus. Who's going to be talking to the faculty in the career services office to make sure we get the right candidates? 
oh, that's a lot of time and energy. So when you think about the proposition to the company, say this is more cost effective. We know more about the athlete because they've been taking courses online with us for over four years of being a student athlete. They have taken assessments that tells us more about who they are and what their interests are. And then on top of that, you already know all those other things I mentioned about what all athletes have to go through if they are a collegiate uh, student athlete. When you say that to a company, you say, okay, well, where, where do I get started? But yet, that's, and that's where that next phase of growth is going to come for the company. So we're in a transition in that regard to make sure that we are transitioning back to what the core mission of the company was about at the beginning. But in order to get to where we are, we had to provide value to the athletic organizations at all levels such that we can have that level of engagement with the athlete, such that we then could be a trusted advisor to help them with life after they leave that athletic organization. Man, yeah. so how, how many ballpark clients would you say that you have? We have over mm-hmm. 300 athletic organizations on the platform. Wow. So again, you know, pro leagues teams, as well as college athletic departments around the United States. If you know, most of the ones you see on TV, we, we have. This week is NFL minicamp. So we have uh, professional football players online taking courses about different policies that they have to follow for as, as, a, uh, as a rookie or either as a veteran or all players. So that's great. For us, that's a uh, you know, major milestone to have that level of partnership and trust from brands that we all know, universities that we know. The key, though, is that our relationships with those organizations are important to us, but our mission is really about that athlete, that individual. No different than, you know, with TCU. The student, you know, what happens to Jeremy after graduation, what happens to any of your classmates or any other alums, while they're going through as a student and afterwards, that making sure that what they've invested in, that they can get that return at the in the future. A little different here for the athlete because, again, their identity is based around being an athlete. Their future may not be tied to being an athlete, at least not playing or performing as one. It may be that, you know, as you see a lot of them on TV, okay, I become a general manager or I become a, some become owner if they're lucky. Some will be in broadcasting and all that. And they have a career that's based upon their celebrity to help them go towards other ends. But for most, especially those who didn't play professional, what happens after age 22 when your career is over? You're, the thing that you've identified with for most of your life is no longer there. So that's where that's the most important thing about our company. Because you know who do I work with? Former student athletes. So if you're if you ran track at a small junior college or or Division three uh, school in Wisconsin or Texas, you can be a business development executive, or you can be a, a analytics and CRM uh, consultant. Because I work with both. And they both ran track, and that's what they do. Or if you were a uh, <clears throat> shooting guard at, at, at a university, and you, after three years of playing, you no longer were on scholarship because the coach changed, well, you can be CEO of an education technology company because that's where I see <laughs> You can be chairman of the board and wrestled as a student athlete. Because you, you'd be amazed how many people were student athletes and what they're doing today. They found their way to certain places, but they found their way with some bumps and bruises and some curves, like a lot of us do. 
So really, the organization's mission is really to focus, help, make sure that journey is more clear and more, and especially more informed. Yep. So how many, and this is probably a very open question, mm-hmm. is when you're attracting these athletes, how what percentage of them would you say are like, hey, I, I know this has got a limited shelf space, right? <laughs> you know, where... I realize that as good as it gets is my senior year, whether it's high school, college, or whatnot, just because they they know, or do they have to, and I don't want to say this in a wrong way, but maybe lie to themselves because they got to feel like they're still performing, even though the reality of, hey, your time is coming to an end in this portion of your life. Having worked with a number of former student athletes at Game Plan, I would say all of them would say that at best... It was senior year, but that would be the female student athlete because there is no pro league to go to unless you play basketball or unless you're Olympian. So there's you already know that this is it based upon just the opportunities available. Yeah. Now the opportunities available for a man is not that much different, but you know you've grown up watching it. It's it's the it's the it's the reason why that that hope and dream that hey I could be that one to make it. Is still there, so a lot of them hold on to that. But then, you know, most but most sports and athletic department university do not have a pro league. So, for most, they know. But then it goes back to identity. This is all I've known. I've grown. I've gotten up at five a.m. and been done late at night because of this sport. All I've done the my my clothes, my my who I hang out with, what I do. All that is tied to something that's about to go away at age twenty-two. That purpose, right? So they're they're right. So therefore, they that's that's a part of the that next evolution. That to your point of how do we help in changing that? That's where two assessments we offer. One is identity assessment. One is more about your next play or your next play as you go pro, but go pro and probably not professional sports, but pro and something else. Is to help the athlete kind of. Do a self-examination. Be more self-aware about what else could be. How can you get that same drive that you get when, no matter how many fans are in the stands, that 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 competition, the rush, the, the people screaming and rooting and all that. How do you get that when you're sitting behind a desk or you're working in a different working in the, as a professional? So that's that's where we're working on some things to help bridge that gap and show, hey, you're not. You're one of many that have made this transition and look at what others have done to be successful. And luckily, I was uh, fortunate enough to work with a lot of people who've done that already. Yeah. And I, I, you know, is going through a purpose change, you know, a couple times myself, you know, leaving the military and then leaving the PD is, you know, it didn't really resonate with me till the last couple of years is I had to change a little bit of my perception of things, right, mm. is I – and actually, I, I use this funny analogy, which is – and I think you and I have talked about it – is I learned to stop playing football and start playing baseball, being that mm-hmm. in football, you can actually go into a season with the mentality of, hey, there is the possibility, because it has been done before, that we could win every single game in the season and in the postseason and the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And it has been done in football. Mm. But in baseball, in the history of never ever, has anybody won 100 and what is it, 20-something games or 130-something games or whatever yeah. it is? I think the record's 119. Yeah. But, and yeah. and, and right. 
but you can go through and not win every game, but still be the best. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was really hard mentality for me to evolve into. You know, because I had a little bit of a woe is me. I don't want to be a defeatist. I lost that, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But it was just that, hey, guess what? You can't win them all, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's the reality That's of right. life. You're not going to win them all. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, and as well as you know, you know, me and my stories, I've had some, <laughs> some significant losses. But those losses Excuse me. are the reason why today I am where I am, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had to learn how to repurpose. And even that, the more my sense of purpose is almost, it's almost like a, an ever-evolving, changing thing for me now. So it was like, started the span group, wanted to do a lot in real estate. Then I wanted to be number one in real estate. Then I wanted to be number one in referrals. And then it was just, you know, one thing that led to the another that it was like, okay, well, what's, what is the new purpose? And then now is I'm within a couple of years of my, my purpose is I want to be able to retire and spend it with my wife going and traveling, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't have something to gravitate towards, then it's like an open desert that you're just going through going, is there water out here or not? You know, Jeremy, I would say that what you describe is your goal or goals or that target has changed what hasn't changed and this is goes back to the identity why i keep bringing it up is also your brand your goal has changed but who you are and what makes you unique has not changed how you express that how that is demonstrated whether it be professionally or personally has evolved I think too often we miss opportunities because we get confused about goals in our identity. So, for example, I said many years ago that I could never see myself living in Texas. <laughs> My goal at the time was to get an MBA. And I was looking at different schools that, because I was trying to, I wanted to be get an MBA in the information system. So University of Texas being one of the, at the time, one of the leading universities that offered that. And also was a part of a consortium graduate study in management. That was a group of schools that offered fellowship opportunities to minority candidates. So I applied. But I put Texas three because I said, well, I mean, it fits what I'm looking for, but I just can't see myself there. I'm from Chicago. I'm a Midwesterner. So I put Indiana first because uh, it was one of the foundings, founders of of the consortium. And then New York University second, because, of course, the NFL, MLB, all the sports leagues were, which is interesting. That was, well, that was my thinking then and ironically where I'm at today. <laughs> that was, yeah, Indiana, New York University, Texas. So I go to Indiana, and I get three job offers. Two of them are in Texas. <laughs> One was in Detroit, but that was with Ford. And the other two was with EDS, with artist company formerly known as EDS, and then Sabre. Sabre and EDS was offering a lot more money than Ford, and so therefore it was pretty obvious that, hmm, I'm going to Texas. <laughs> so I had to be open-minded. But again, my identity was Midwest, Chicago, big city. So I had to change my goal, though, was to go 
to get this get a degree to advance my career such that my parents can say, okay, Kevin's okay. Because I'm only child, you know, as I mentioned before, only. But, you know, I thought I would be doing that in Chicago. But all of a sudden, no, Kevin, you're going to Texas. You avoided two years before, but now you're going to Texas. So I ended up taking the job at Sabre. But, so I had to be open-minded that I can still be who I am somewhere else. I can still accomplish this goal of independence and moving forward in my career and getting value from the NBA. It just happens to be somewhere that I didn't think I was going to go to. Right. So going back to what you said about yourself, I remember in our discussions you had that same kind of wrestling of my goal is when you want when you go to the NBA program, you know, is I want to advance. I know I can do more. Originally it was move up in the PD. Over time it was like, well, you know, I got my own restaurant, uh, I got other interests, now all these other people I met. All of a sudden you had you your eyes were open and it's because you were open to listening, then you made a pivot. So how you reached that goal was different and how you and the goals changed. But who you are is still the same. The core of who you are and what made you unique as a military officer, as a police officer, and now as a real estate executive, you still it's still Jeremy. But the how and the goals have changed. So I think that brand, because anyone who's known you a long time and knew you through all that, you're still the same guy. Yeah. Right. So your brand and who you are is the same. How it is expressed and how it's manifested has grown and evolved. So I think too often, going back to the athlete, going back to ourselves, we can see our – we identify – with certain things that may limit our opportunity or limit our growth because we think we need that in order to be who we are. And when we, when I think of an athlete's transition, they may think I need to get up at 5 a.m. to be alive. So a lot of them still today, even though they don't play, they still get up and work out. Why? Because that's what they've done all their life. But now it's for a different purpose, for a different goal in mind. It's just to stay in shape as opposed to I'm getting ready to compete. But it's used to it. So that's where you can make keep some things and transition and have it re, refocus. But yet your identity has changed. No longer are you an athlete, or, but now you are that business person or you're that whom, whatever it is that's next, just like you did in your career. And just like what I had to do. I mean, after 12 years at TCU, I could easily say, well, I'm, a, I'm an academic administrator. That's who I am. I never saw myself that way. So therefore – it was never a idea that this is who I'm going to be. But in order to advance or to move forward, opportunities within the business school were limited. So people always said, well, have you ever looked at other jobs outside of the business school? I said, no, I'm not here to be a university professor. I'm here because I want to help people develop their careers in business. I can't do that on the other side of campus or even the athletic department. That's not what I came here to do. That's not my purpose. That's not who I'm. That's not my brand. So that's why that never was an option. So when opportunities to leave and go on somewhere else came about that allowed me to help people move forward in their careers, that's who I am. That's part of my brand. I'm doing it differently. I'm not recruiting professionals to a program. I'm helping develop software and courses. So the how is different, but yet who I am and what I'm doing is still the same. And that's why I think too often we get those things mixed up. 
So what would you say the struggle was like to make that decision? Because it is a pretty big jump, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, especially, I mean, at, at one of the most pivotal times in the planet with the right. pandemic right. and That's everything right. else right. is, I mean, what was, what was going through your thought process when you were like, man, this is what I know. This mm-hmm. is comfortable. Right. This is secure. Right. And now I'm going to go punish myself with some more ambiguity of jumping into right. something that, right. I mean, I'm sure there's things that, you know, gave you the confidence that, you know, this will work out. Right. But still there's that, you know, jump, right? Right. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is it was the same similar wrestling that I went through before I even joined TCU. Because I even said I would never see myself driving to Fort Worth every day from Capel. <laughs> because ironically, just the last week, director of career, career services, graduate career services at TCU, after 14 years in the position, she moved on. But before she took the job, the predecessor in that position was a client of mine and said she was moving on to a you know, corporate job and say, hey, I'd like to recommend you to be in the position. And without thinking about it long, I said, oh, I can't see myself doing that. Just because I was already locked into running my own business, being an entrepreneur, working from the house. This is this is this flow is nice. I'm no longer doing the corporate thing. So man, working for somebody else, driving that far, I, I don't know. Two years later, you know, a little recession happened. Daughter born. Opportunity came again. Someone mm-hmm. said, "Hey, you know, we're looking for someone to help us with recruiting for the NBA program. You know anyone? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm interested." <laughs> So again, it had to be open, you know. I had to think about, it. but it was that wrestling. It, that wrestling way, way. It's great to be wanted, but uh, I don't know. I got this. I see myself here. So you know, this time around, you know, uh, game plan. I've actually been advisor to the CEO up until the time I joined the company. We've been working it for almost ten years. So I've seen the maturation of the company over time and all the pivots and changes. So that was familiar. We had talked on and off about doing this for a long time, but the opportunity had presented itself because the company hadn't grown where it needed to be. So there was the financial impact of that too. But then again, you know, the comfort you talked about. COVID-19 made sure everybody was uncomfortable. <laughs> and for me, you know, what was comfortable about being in the MBA program was all taken away. You know, there was no alumni events. There was no recruiting tours around the school. There was no, you know, there was still class on the weekends, and we would go. I would go to campus for that. There was no, you know, meeting with people on, on campus with other members of the team. So a lot of things had changed. So I would say that made it easier in some regards. And most people say, well, well you did make a change during a pandemic and a blackout. Uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I did. But reason being is because I had a lot more time to think. You know, when a lot of those other things were happening about who I am. Am I, if, you know, after, no, I turned 51 last year, turned 52 this year. At this stage of my career, if I stay down this path, I am an academics administrator. Is that really who I am? No, nothing's wrong with that. But is that me? Is that all I am? Now, you know, anyone who's gone through the program, talked to me, know, you know, I've coached, advised people for a long time. But yet, at that stage, my primary brand was going to be associated with something that I'm good at, 
but is that the best of me at this stage in my career? So that's that was the conversation I was having with myself. It was not as much about TCU. It wasn't about the NBA program. It wasn't about COVID-19. It was about what Kevin, when he looked in the mirror, how did I feel about me, where I am, and what I know I could be doing, and what I should be doing. And also being true to what I've talked when I talk to you or anyone else in the program or what when, when the, the same questions after me, Kevin, what do you think I should do? You gotta take that. You gotta take that leap, man. You gotta move forward. You can do this. You can. And, and then I would tell the person, here's what you've done already that prove that you can do this. So why not? So I was having that conversation myself. You know, I've even asked other people that I trust, you know, the same thing. And then uh, talked to my wife, of course, about it. And that's where I found myself taking a job for something else I said I never would do. So when I left Saber, which uh, ended in a way that was where I got laid off, could have took another job and got demoted, which I talked about in the man, previous podcast. I think I did. But the thing I walked away from that I said, okay, I don't want to deal with software developers ever again. I mean, this whole back and forth, you no, know, I, I just don't want to deal with that. I, I, I've done that. That was good. I'm over and done with it. So two years ago, Vin, our CEO, Vin McCaffrey, great guy, growth in the company was going up, but the software platform needed some focus. So I was giving him some advice of what he could do with the development team and all that. And then he said, man, I really could use your help. And I said, well, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out. So he expanded my advisory role such that I could work with the development team. And then next thing you know, to, you know, pandemic happens a year later. And then I'm working with them, helping. And then during the pandemic last year, the NFL expanded. Ex- the relationship with the NFL expanded. The NBA restart. So if you can imagine – Everyone who was in the bubble, including the players, coaches, GMs, front office, media, cook, chefs, barbers, all of them had to go through some type of protocol of compliance training on our platform. That happened last July. So then at the same time, we're steadily, despite what was going on in turbulence in the college market, that changed. So all of a sudden now, Things opened up towards the end of last year where the company was uh, reached out to by a company called NXAFLE, and uh, NXAFLE who focused on careers for athletes. And they had financial backing where they wanted to merge two companies together. Uh, so Vin and I talked about it, and you know, we said, is this the right thing for the business at this time? And it was. And then that turned into an opportunity for, for me to come on board to do something I said never would do again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, like, you know, when you're talking about having a conversation in the mirror, and right. one of my favorite sayings is, the biggest liar in the room is the one in the mirror. That's right. 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 And we lie to ourselves. Even, you know, yeah, I can have that fifth drink or whatever, you know, whether <laughs> little or large. And right. But at some point, you got to have that real conversation and do things that scare us. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's right. I mean, that's the, you know, the, so my... My daughter, this has been in recent, was talking with Laura and was like, man, dad's not scared of anything. You know, he's an old Marine. And Laura just laughed and said, man, you'd be surprised that your dad actually does things that scares him. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something as simple as, funny, funny enough, is 
taking the ski lift to go up, right? And then every once in a while, because somebody falls off or whatever, it stops and you're sitting there swinging. Mm. And Laura laughs because she knows me well enough that mm. I don't show it yeah. physically, but she can see it in my face because she's married to me. She's mm. like, you okay? And I'm like, I am so terrified right now sitting <laughs> on top of this thing. Right. Like, you know, right. or something I was terrified to do was I had – you know, been hearing from other fellow PD and Marines and veterans and mm-hmm. spec ops guys that, as it turns out, that people that come from our environment, when they, they end up finding out that due to all these adrenaline dumps and TBIs and everything else you go through, have an effect on your testosterone. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, maybe that was a contributor to why I was so tired and not focused and not having a lot of clarity over the last couple of years, but I was I, I was like I don't want to go get it tested because I don't I don't I don't want to be known as a guy that has low T right mm-hmm, right and then I go and it was like low low like you're supposed to be like I think it's like between three hundred and I don't know maybe it's a thousand or mm-hmm. whatnot and like three hundred is like the ultimate you can't go below and mine was like a hundred and twenty right and it was just like whoa right like hey. And then it was also less scary as I started to find out that other people that I really had a lot of respect for and admiration for were like, no, man, I, I had the same thing. But being that I, tra- you know, travel between here and Colorado, instead of going down to the clinic to get my weekly shot, I had to get on the self-injection. And I am terrified of needles. Oh, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. There's just something that punctures skin. You know, hey. Putting bullets in people's skin, I'm totally cool with that. But sharp little needles, not so cool with that. So self-injecting is, you know, so Laura will go, hey, it's, you know, been four days, you need to do ejection. You know, and I mean, I know what benefit I'm getting out of it. And I'll just sit there and literally wrestle with myself for 30 minutes. And she's just like, just, what is it? I said, man, but I still do it because something scares me. And that even what's given me the ability to continue to be successful in business is a combination of things is one, not being satisfied, having that hunger, right. Combined with, if I'm going to satisfy that hunger, it means I got to go do something scary, right? which means I got to take it to the next Mm -hmm. level. Like this current deal that I'm working on, it's been three years in the works. And I mean, it, and it is, it is, I, I was telling Laura just yesterday, I said, man, I was less terrified when people were shooting at me. Because right as we gain an inch, it's an event occurs in it or whichever, or a potential buy new, another potential buyer enters. And it's just like every time I overcome it and I was just like, man, you know, that actually the last three years of stress added together doesn't hold a candle to the stress that I deal with every single day. Right. But I got to make a choice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Do I continue to jump into what's scary and pushing the needle on this thing? Or do I do what a lot of people will do is just sit back and go, no, I'm good. Right. And I'm not okay with sitting back and going, mm-hmm. no, I'm good. I've got to keep pressing forward. And, and you know, of course, I wouldn't do things that were scary if I didn't, you know, see the value and opportunity on the other side of it. But there's also, I, I feel like I'm a lot more successful at it, too, now is going back to that football versus baseball mm-hmm. analogy is, you know what? This thing's not done till it's done. And right. we got another 90 days before this thing is signed, sealed, and delivered, and the ink is dry and everything else. A lot can happen right. in 90 days, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with, you know, 
eight and nine figures, right? right? I mean, that's an enormous amount of money. And, and the only thing I can do is just make that decision to get up and keep pressing forward. Mm -hmm. And, and, but it's, but doing it also, there's, there's, there's things that are satisfying about Mm -hmm. it, right? Because just like athletes and, and first responders and military is, we love competition, right? Right. Right. And, but now instead of somebody else being the competition is I'm competing with myself to make sure that I'm doing everything that I have learned to do the right way. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that just makes life and business simpler that I've really learned to just really be excited about, and I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday that stopped by, is it's really amazing that when you're focused on just doing the right thing, everything's going to be okay. Right. It doesn't mean that there isn't going to be problems. There isn't going to be objections you have to overcome or any of these complications that come along. But when you're solely focused on doing the right thing, you know, it's kind of like with this larger deal. And this is a very well-known organization that is trusting me with a lot of equity to go do this. And they're like, man, we just want to make sure that we are protected, that, if you know, we don't want to be stuck with money that we're going to lose. And I can look at him and say, I will be the first one to terminate this thing before anybody that y'all have, all your now analysts, attorneys, or anybody else, I'll be the first one to wave a flag to go, we need to kill this right now. Mm-hmm. Because that's because to protect the interest of those that have entrusted me with their money. Right. right. And that's mm-hmm. that's really the value and what's important to me is continuing to keep building those things that that of trust because I've been in those positions where trust has been broken. And and, and, and quite honestly, I, I think there's the most painful thing in the world because, look, somebody you don't know that well, it's real hard for them to violate your trust, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's those closest to you that violate the trust that really cut deep. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and I've been cut a number of times, and mm-hmm. I could have made the decision to go, you know what, I'm just going to protect myself and never be cut again. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but... That's comfortable. That's, that's not. Right. That's not scary, right. right? And then you you make that jump and you get in there. I mean, like you hitting a trifecta, right? Mm-hmm. Don't see yourself living in Texas. Don't see yourself mm-hmm. driving to Fort Worth, and you don't see yourself getting back into marketing software. You know, right, right, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. And you know what's interesting about that, Jeremy, is I, I was reflecting as you were talking. You know, TC's been around since 1873. Let that sink in for a minute. So you can't get much more stable than that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's going to be there. Now, you know, there's uh, things that's happened at the university, all universities, where you say, okay, you know, for staff employees, things are changing. You don't know what's going to come. You know, hiring freezes, um, not getting a raise. You know, things like that. Or a lot of people have been furloughed, although TCU hasn't had to do that, thankfully. So, despite that uncertainty and things not being as comfortable as they were before the pandemic. It's still, you know, this is not going away. So then someone would say, well, why'd you, why would you leave that to go to a very small company that's being merged to lead a team of young professionals who have not much, not a whole lot of experience, where your development team is primarily in India, where the pandemic is even worse, and they're working from home? Why would you do that? Well, it's not comfortable, that's for sure. 
but it was about what we talked about before. It was a couple things. One, which I can't go go without saying, our CEO, Ben. No, we've worked together now for almost 10 years, be 10 years next month. And, you know, this is someone who trusts me, to your point. This is someone who has confided in me. And this is someone who said, I want you to manage the majority of the investment to grow our product because I trust you. Now, this is his company that he started. His family's future is dependent upon the company. And he trusts me to take that role. Now, last time Vin and I saw each other face-to-face maybe five years ago. But we've talked to each other every week during that time. Now, we'll see each other in a month, thankfully. It's been a while. But <laughs> but my point to that, Jeremy, is that the relationship and the trust and knowing that you feel valued, that's when you have to – when you see that that opportunity is there, you have to open your mind to say, I know I said I'd never do this again, but this is way more valuable and more right. I'm going about doing the right things, as you said, than – whatever happened before. Because before, the reason, the real reason wasn't about software development. It wasn't about the development team. It was about the trust, the teamwork, the relationship wasn't there. It wasn't the work. It wasn't that I wasn't good at it. It was more of that. So because that is present, then I can, I should go ahead and do that. Because it's not that I can't, it's because I can do it and I do it well. So also the opportunity to lead a team, you know, developing talent is something that I love doing. So having a team of people who are looking to me to help them develop and grow, to help us grow the business, to help us grow the product, uh, the content that we have in the system. Conversation I have as I'm coming in with uh, our creative director, you would never know that he's only 24, but I mean, great person to work with. I mean, when I, when the opportunity became clear that we could we'd be working together full time, that's one reason why I jumped the chance. Because I was someone who I said I can work with. A uh, person I used to work at TC, work, work with at TCU, he's working with us too. And that was a great opportunity to say, hey, we can work together again. The team as a whole, I mean, a lot of young professionals who are former student athletes, who are, are examples of what we're trying to develop in mass. It's just uh, exciting to see something that is important to me and I'm passionate about growth, advancement, development, technology, and sports, and education. I mean, that's everything I've ever did in my career. It's all in one job. So if I, by opening my mind, and allow me to see that, that this is a culmination or, or combination, at least not culmination because I'm not dead in, in coming time soon, but this is a combination of all the things that I've done before in one. And also things that I'm very passionate about, but also I'm good at. So, and more, most importantly, the leader uh, that I'm working with is someone who trusts me. So I think a lot of times we, if we're not open-minded and we're not listening, then we may prevent ourselves the opportunities to realize what our brand and what we're really supposed to be about. And so that's why making this transition or any transition anyone would make, those are the types of things I would recommend people think through. But the listening part is important because 
this is something, like I said, we talked on and off about a long time. I had to be clear about what I needed in order to be there. He, he had to be more clear about what that was needed. And as a result, it worked out. But there was more about that than it was about leaving something. It was more about where I'm headed. So just like it has been for you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting is this deal I keep referring to that may or may not close in the next 90 days. I right. don't have any major control over, you know, right. whether something does or doesn't. But it'll be funny is should this deal close in the end of August, will literally be five years to the date of when I trusted someone mm. uh-huh. under false pretenses, mm. right? Right. Is because I was, they were charismatic. They, they, very charismatic personality. And, and, and I just, I wanted to, mm. right? And what's really interesting is this particular deal, that previous person and the person that I have now, there's a lot of similarities. Not the same person by yeah, any course, shape right. or means, mm-hmm. but both of them in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. both of them F-18 pilots, both of them MBAs from TCU. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. similarities where one, the first one five years ago that I trusted just violated everybody's trust, which would probably keep just about anybody else from ever wanting to trust again. And then now here's someone of similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. a lot of similarities, but I'm leaning into with just the full force of trust and they're trusting me. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference now is before I was trying to trust someone that I didn't have any say or any autonomy or anything in, whereas now I do, right? Now I can make decisions. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's been really kind of a you know I'm not really an emotional guy but it's been a, an emotional navigation of going man there's this is a large deal this is a large I mean the, you know the the last time I went down this path I lost everything I had and I was holding the bag for four million dollars I mean there's nothing let me just tell you what right. if you ever want to have an incredibly comfortable conversation with your spouse <laughs> go home and say you lost all your money right. All her money, and oh yeah, by the way, you owe four million dollars. And which you know, two years prior to that, I couldn't even fathom what four million dollars was. Right. right, right. And then so, I have every reason to to not do this, right? To to be scared and not jump yep. into it. Mm-hmm. But it's that man, and and, and I think intrinsically inside of me is. I have this need and this desire and this want and this have have to have trust with people, Mm. not because to make the deal happen, but because that's a part of who I am. Like when you go back to like, hey, Jeremy hasn't changed. Jeremy, you know, maybe the goals have changed, maybe the focus has changed, but that's an important element in my life is having people that I can have trust with. Like that's what helps make Mm me. And for the other party in this deal, one of the things that's been helpful in the navigation is establishing trust with them and, you know, being clear on things, you know, removing as much ambiguity as possible, you know, asking questions. Okay. You said this, but I need clarity what that means. And then to be able to ultimately go, okay, well, once this thing is, is signed, Mm -hmm. you know, fully signed in the next week or two here, Mm -hmm. that the only two things that could truly derail this thing would be, the financing, 
which I'm not at all concerned on on this. Could it happen? Sure. Anything could happen, but less concerned on that. But is any surprises that come up from the seller side mm-hmm. on this, which there's always going to be surprises, surprises that maybe they didn't know about. It, maybe there is a surprise they know about. I don't anticipate that, but that could derail this. And, and then you're talking about three years of work literally comes down to the next 30 days, right? Which yeah. is which is weird, right? It's right. like this, this 36 months really comes down to the next 36 days. And and, and that's just a, a weird thing to be in, but it's also exciting yeah. because the opportunities that this is going to unlock for those that are involved in this deal is pretty significant. And it's going to benefit a lot of people. Actually, I would even feel confident saying that it'll involve, it, it, it will it will have a positive impact off of anybody involved in this, whether they are, you know, the investor or the debt source or the client or the whoever in this. And that's what's really exciting about this and, and is to be able to go, man, you know what? Five years ago, I could have let something define me and I didn't. Right. And mm-hmm. now here I am coming full circle to where, Again, I don't know if this deal goes through and, and finishes, but if it does, I can sit there and I can look at myself in the mirror and go, you know what? You went through a lot of pain. You lied to yourself no matter how many occasions of whatever. But at the end of the day, you looked at yourself and said, you know what? The other people I was partnered up with this did wrong. I didn't pick my decisions wrong on what to do. I just picked who wrong, right? I picked the wrong people, not the wrong thing, yeah, yeah. you know. But, you know, things happen for a reason. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Things happen for a reason. You know, You know, I distinctly remember in my home office saying where I had when I started my business, because focus, I think, is very important for any business owner, but definitely in anybody leading any organization. You have to be clear about, as you said before, you know, here's my, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, re- no, this is what I need to do to do what I need to do for retirement in order to get to that, 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 that milestone. But also you need to have focus on who I am, what I do, what I'm about. You can't be everything to everyone and be great at everything. Just read that. People are not built that way. So when I first started my business, I started off, you know, advising people and career coaching and all that. That was going well. But then I had this urge to be Jerry Maguire, or at least the black version of one. <laughs> <laughs> and taller. So, right, right, and taller, and taller. And taller. <laughs> so I always wanted to be a sports agent. So, and when I feel, realized that, you know, you know, I could do it and it wasn't, didn't cost a whole lot and I knew what to do, so I don't try to do that. And I also was advising uh, business owners. So I was doing three things. Why? Because I could, because, you know, hey, I was my own boss, do whatever, you know. But in that first month, something came over me as I was about to send in the certification papers to become a certified MBA agent. They said, Kevin, don't do it. And I said, well, why not? You need to focus. You got five clients you're working with. If you work, this works out, then you can build upon that. Why don't you do this one thing, see it out? Actually, that's what's going through my mind. 
And then the other voice was, well, you need to diversify your opportunities. You need to have multiple sources of income, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, of course, I did it. No, when it got certified, all that. Lost money as a result of being agent. Never made it done. Had people drafted you know, in baseball. Actually, did that. Got drafted by my hometown team, the Chicago White Sox. That was cool. Didn't get paid a dime to do it, but it was cool. You know, a lot through that three-year journey, which seemed like longer than that. Trust a lot of people along the way in doing that. But because I went through that, I became a better advisor, a better business owner. I learned a lot more about the sports industry, which obviously is important now. So I, that experience had a purpose. Didn't feel good. Didn't go the way I planned. I could say I didn't choose the right people, to your point, but they were the right people for whatever I was supposed to get out of that experience. Agreed. And therefore, I would say, for that reason, same to you, that, he, that was the right people for that, what that was supposed to happen during that time. And, you know, the funny, the funny thing, too, is, you know, being that there are so many similarities between right. the personnel and the person five years ago, and again, not same person, but just similarities, is that five years ago, Laura, my wife, was she had doubts, right? And she was vocal about doubts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't listen. Now I've learned to become a right. very good listener mm-hmm. to my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And her being my litmus test on many of things now is because I, I, I realize I've got blind spots and she's there to protect me from my own blind spots. Right. So I said, what do you think? And she actually referenced the person from five years ago and said the biggest difference between the two is I always had an unsettling feeling with the person five years ago, but she was like, this person, there is no one that she trusts more for me to go do this with, right? Mm-hmm. right? And that was huge, right? Because you do learn a lot about, it's kind of like this is, you know, pain, you know, the pain and training teaches you to become better at what you do, right? So, so I, I, I agree with you on that. The events that occurred five years ago and what those people did prepared me for now and prepared me for asking the right questions right. Mm-hmm. to prepare. Like even the, the, the same person is I was texting uh, last night and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working to build out bullet points of anything and everything that could go wrong on this, anything and everything that's ugly about it. And, you know, all the all the dark spots of this thing. Right. Not the shiny green dollar making signs, but mm-hmm. I mean the right. the ugliness of it. So that way he can take it back to his board and go, oh, yeah, here's all the good financials and spreadsheets. But this is something else Span provided, which is anything and everything that could possibly go wrong. They made a list of because to me that creates even a higher level of trust by going, hey, I'm not just here to sell you the rainbow and sunshine Here's the stuff that if you hadn't thought about it, you need to think about this stuff because this is a large financial commitment. Right. And uh, which is really funny because five years ago they talked about large financial commitments. And then here it is. We're actually doing large financial commitments, which I've also learned when you're talking to people that, you know, could potentially bring, you know, nine figures to the table. 
they get real intimate with you real quick, right? Like, I literally feel like a hand puppet with somebody up my butt right now. Like, even the most minute details of sitting here. And I'm not the most detail-oriented person, right? Right, 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 right. I can be, but right. like, you know, it goes against my nature to be right. exactly. like when I was reviewing uh, this 10 page document yesterday and I knew that I, I had to be on point with this thing, the amount of energy it took me to go line by line, word by word. I mean, and, and it all the way down to where there was, you and I had spoke about, there was two words in it, right? Side by side that I was like, this has not been spoken about. We've spoken this, but if we don't change these two words, this could potentially just kill a deal that is then in the making of three years. Right. right. And, and we were able to overcome those objections and, and, and do that, but it required me to do things that are against my nature, which is getting very, very detailed right. and involved, but you do all the uncomfortable things and the things you don't like to do when it's a, a deal that is going to affect the lives of many, 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 many people. Yep. And, and so, but it is, on the other side of it, you know, the ego, I guess you could say, side of it is, wow, these folks really do trust me. Right. And and I am here to do the right thing. And it's and it's not it's almost like so five years ago in the tens of thousands of dollars that I spent on attorneys, because I wasn't allowed to speak for myself in public. I mean it's the hardest thing is when you're being attacked and they're attacking the wrong person, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you just want to look at the public and go, you do know that this had nothing to do with mm. me. This is these two yahoos over here. Mm. I'm literally the guilt by association, and I can't even defend myself mm. in public to where it was even I, – I got to a point that I was, I, I, was, I was terrified for my name to come up in public involved in this other situation because as soon as it did – I knew I was get, that phone was going to ring and it was going to be my attorney and that was going to be a $5,000 bill, right? And just knowing going, man, every time my name comes up in that circle, it's going to cost me five grand. And just it becomes just this grind of beating, 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 and just wanting to be able to look at people and go, hey, let me give you the real story on this. Hmm. And then you got your attorney going, that's why you pay me. Is That way you don't get inadvertently drug into this thing because you said something that wasn't intended to be received the way that it was received that drags you into this. So, you know, Donald Kiskowski of McDonald Sanders, as much money as you made on that deal, you better buy a new house from me. Uh, (laughs) But but it was no pressure, no pressure. Um, But it but it but it helped develop where I'm at now that I view risk on such a different level. Because I'm able to, I've, I've experienced it to mm. where I'm like, I don't want anybody else to experience this. So I'm here to protect, you know, anybody from, from doing that. And, and so it's been a pretty incredible journey of like, what are those things that help us develop trust with people? Right. I mean, I mean, is it like you and I, I mean, we have this mm. incredible trusted relationship, right? And sometimes we can go months without talking to each other because mm-hmm. we're just busy with life. Mm-hmm. And then we jump on a call and it's hours later right. sitting exactly. here talking right. and exactly. catching up. Exactly. Is what, what is it about the elements of trust, do you think, that, you know, which play into, I mean, these athletes are trusting you guys naturally to go, hey, I'm coming up on a crossroads and I'm going to need help navigating this, is what are some of those elements of trust, do you think, that just really... <laughs> You know, play. Yeah, what's interesting about that? The athletic organizations trust us. They trust us to help them development 
of the athletes that are in their organizations. We have work to do to become that trusted advisor for the athlete. From a business model standpoint, it made sense to engage the athletic organizations first because, you know, most of them are minors, you know, or they're Mm -hmm. part of a university or some institution. So going direct would have been very expensive uh, and time consuming. So having the engagement with the athletic organizations and having their trust inherently could lead to more trust and engagement from the athlete. Where we are today, though, is that our platform is used to say, hey, you have to do this course. I hit the table. I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Austin's in there going, don't knock yeah, on right. the table. <laughs> so, but you have to take this course. You, it's assigned to you. So part of the development we're launching this year is to, based upon the interest of the athlete, based on where they are in their journey, to recommend content to them. So, it's not a, so therefore, we're speaking to them where they are, as opposed to it's just about the athletic organization is assigning it to you. So therefore, when we do that, the relationship starts to change. Oh, they're interested in talking to me. They're not just interested in serving the athletic organization. We can do both. And I think a small change in how we do things in terms of recommending content, recommending videos, things to help with their development, where they are. No, they'll they'll be on the app at that time when that epiphany comes. Oh, senior day is tomorrow, and I don't know what I'm do after that. They can go to the app, and then they can start figuring it out if they haven't done the work done some work already. In most cases, they probably have. So I think that's where the next evolution of the company and our growth is dependent upon our ability to gain that trust or at least be that brand that started off as the trusted advisor, that trusted source to say, when I know I'm sure, I know I need to prepare for what's next, even though I may not be close to being done, then no matter if I'm a collegiate student athlete, whether I'm a pro athlete, then I would make take, 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 take that step, take that next step with game plan. So. There's work to be done there. But I would say the inherent need for trust is, and even what you trust yourself, because sometimes we don't even trust our own judgment, is without information from some source, it's hard to make decisions. If you don't make decisions, then you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, then you're not moving forward. And not moving forward is not being human. A lot of us are really good at being stagnant, but we're not being true to what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be progressive, supposed to be continuous improvement moving forward. So I think that those of us who seek it out more is because we know that we can't do it by ourselves and we need the other people that we can trust to fill in those gaps or provide that opportunity or that connection to help to take that next step, wherever that next step may be. So you've established trust with one side of the client base, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing the talent. How do you establish trust with the consumer that is going to ultimately hire the talent? Good point. Data, consistency, access, cost effective, and focus. You know, for the community of users that we have, athletic organizations and athletic departments. I've always said if we had 20 companies that said, hey, we're, we're sponsors of game plan and we're the 
primary companies that are believe in their mission and their brand and what they're about, then we could do a lot of great things. Doesn't mean that other companies will not be able to find talent on our platform and that uh, athletes will only want to work for those 20 or whatever the number of companies would be. But yet, we have to establish those relationships with those key employers that are aligned with our mission. And our mission is not just about this, even though we focus on athletes, it's really about helping someone at that time of transition. Mm-hmm. When they realize that this is done and I want to do something else, or even or I need to be prepared for that. Because, you know, every new season you have to start off and you got to go through certain training. That is preparation for your transition into that new academic year, new season. So that's what we do. So I think for employers and companies, if they know that we understand their needs and we're consistent in our approach to how we deliver on connecting them with top talent and give them information and data about that talent so they can make effective decisions about who's a fit for their organizations in a cost-effective manner, then we'll we'll have no problem getting those partners, more partners. We have a few today, but we're definitely in growth mode to take that next step. Man, I, I love what you said about that, you know, the data, the consistency, the transparency, mm. all, all, all of those things is mm. like when – when call it a year and a half ago, I went into execution mode of you know this next stage of where we've gotten today, and it was the data that presently gets the attention, mm-hmm. right? Is and but instead, like what I learned five years ago, because five years ago, I mean, I didn't know anything from anything, right? I mean, I was mm-hmm. transitioning out of. From the military to first mm-hmm. responders to, you know, I never been in business. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was what. Well, you've been in business. Well, I've been in business. But, yeah. but, but you know, but at a level, a higher level right, no. to where it was right. like true. Right. I was in uncharted territory no, that I, I was relying on this trust that with this person that was basically their data was hocus pocus at the end of the day is what it Can was. Can I interject for a second? Yeah. That, that you reconnected with where you were thinking at that time. But because of that mindset is what allowed for that situation to occur. Yeah. So that wasn't trust. That was, I don't trust myself, so I'm going to look to you. When in reality, the reason why we admitted you to the program is because we saw something in you that you were developing to see in yourself. So going back to what I said before, you needed that antagonist to bring you in full circle to what what was already there. Yeah. And and then you know and then being involved in that and seeing the difference between that hocus pocus, right? Shiny object, lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. as this individual called it. <laughs> but there was no data to support it whereas now I was able to go to the investors in this and say here is the last 14 months of data on this particular portion of this. And by the way, all the data fed into this, the source of that data is straight from the bank account, mm-hmm. from the debits and credits of a bank account right. that pours <laughs> into this. Right. And then these are category. I mean, could you go in there and tweak what falls into what category? Yeah, but it's still this amount of money came in, this amount of money went out, and this amount of money was left over, right? right? right, right. But having that data, learning that lesson five years ago of how important data can be 
and then how reliable that data is, then at that point, it's the data telling the story. It's not me. I'm just, just kind of like a book on Audible, right? I didn't write the book. I'm just the narrator right. of saying mm-hmm. this is what the data says. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's been just really educational and fulfilling to be able to get to that and be able to go. And like you said, staying focused, like, you know, on this particular project and someone that is at an arm's distance, a part of it with some other parts of it you know, called me and said, hey, well, I've got this other thing over here. And I said, man, that sounds great, but that's not within the focus here. Because I've learned, and I wrote this down, is Mm -hmm. one of the things I think was a a heavy learning in becoming a more successful professional is mitigating the distractions, right? The shiny objects, the things that (laughs) should have, would have, could have been, right? right, right, right? But you're like, like, no, I have to stay focused over here, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there won't be room for something like that later, but in order to execute the plan and the strategy we have right now, we need to stay hyper-focused right where we're at Mm -hmm. because it creates that, as another word you use, consistency, right? right? Right. And Mm -hmm. the data for this particular thing should be similar within all the elements involved. Now you you bring in this other data source, which is different, right? right? So it's not same-same. Similarities, but not same, same. And I want to be able to look at the investors and say, this is the data. It's consistent. We've been focused. There's all the transparency here. There's, you know, that's why I say the thing that could derail this would be a surprise from the seller's end, which I don't anticipate. I feel like we built a pretty good trusted relationship from their side. But that that's the biggest thing that would be like, oh, yeah, hey, by the way. <laughs> right? <laughs> and... But I don't anticipate that. But I'm also not foolish enough to go, it can't happen, happen, right? I hope that it doesn't, but I'm not in control of that. But, you know, to work on, because spending the amount of time that I spend on this distracts me from my normal role in what I do for the span group, you know, Mm -hmm. which means that I'm not pouring more deals into the span group because I'm hyper-focused on this. Mm -hmm. And if this thing goes away, then there is a large chunk of missed time for that. Now, the team will still be good. We still do our top 1% of producers and whatnot. But scaling that side of things, I had to come over here to say, no, I need to be hyper-focused on that. And having Laura be able to do that for me, like I, I, I didn't even realize until when we were coming back from Colorado this weekend, and she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, before we get back, here's some things you need to be aware of. And I was like, whoa, hey. What was all this? And, and she was just like, well, it's gone on for the last couple of days. I mean, it's another major, but it was just mm-hmm. like, hey, here's a couple land nines we need to avoid. And it was like, man, why didn't, why didn't you tell me about this weeks ago? And she goes, I didn't want to distract you from where you were focused on. She goes, because I think what you're doing is important. I support what you're doing. I support the people that we've built trust with to go do this. And I didn't want you to get derailed because – you know, something else pops up. And, and so that made me have an even a greater appreciation for Laura, not just being my partner in crime, you know, my, my life partner, my, my spouse, my business partner, my partner for everything, but really allowed me to go, man, I, I really outpunted my coverage with Laura. <laughs> right. Like, how did I get this damn lucky? Mm-hmm. And so having another, her yet another trusted portion in this and and that's why I, I think what you're doing is 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 really incredible because 
these athletes, right, just like military and first responders have lived inside of a, essentially a bubble for so long that they know what they know. And now either due to their decision or a decision made not by them, a transition has to occur. And I know what it's like to sit there and go, uh, well, what do, what do I do? Right. Yeah. And then to have that trusted advisor, which is really interesting because you came from that environment also of, you know, helping people get to the big mm-hmm. leagues mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, I didn't get compensated in that, but the lessons, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. The experience that, I mean, if I asked you based on the amount of experience that you got now, of course we would all want to get paid always. Right. But if you had to go back and go, Hey, if you had a chance to go back and turn the hands of time and go, I could have taken some compensation on this, but not got the experience that helps me where I'm at today or get the experience and not the compensation, being able to turn back the hands of time, which one would you have chosen? Hmm. Interesting. I come up with some real hair-brained yeah. ones. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? Yeah. Now, the first thing that came to mind is actually a decision I don't regret, but it was a situation where I wasn't going to get paid. So when I went to grad school, I was focused, my essays, everything was focused on getting a job with a sports league or sports team. And within the first semester at Indiana University, I connected with the Indiana Pacers and their IT department. And they were offering me an internship. So I was like, man, that was easy. But then he told me they weren't going to pay me. I said, what? I said, wait a minute, okay, I quit my job. Wasn't going to pay a whole lot anyway, but I still quit. I moved to another state to pursue an MBA where the average salary at that time, I think, was 60 grand. That's how long it was. 60 grand for graduating MBA. And my quote unquote dream job is not going to pay me. I said no immediately, and I told him why. I said, well, I went back to school to advance my career. I went back to school in order to move forward. And plus, I worked in sports, and I got paid because I was working at Stats, Inc. many years ago, and I was getting paid to do a similar job for all the teams and all the leagues as opposed to just one. So if I can get paid for that, I should at least get paid something for this, even if it's an internship. And so I understand, but that's not what we do. It's okay. Well, we'll stay in touch. That was it. Now, the reason why I I don't regret that decision, I was being true to my brand. I was being true to the goal. But in my mind, I had set in my mind that I was going to be this sports statistician, analyst, IT guy. That day, that, that died. That was, that was not who I am. Who I am is someone else who's going to be a business person. And I had a business discussion with uh, someone about my career while I was in the door. Same thing with Ford. Ford offered me a job, as I mentioned before, to work in their IT department. Was very impressed with me and all that. But in their, unlike their marketing and finance jobs they were offering the MBAs, in the IT department they offered undergrads and master's degree students the same salary. So they was offering me twenty four grand less than my classmates who were getting job offers in marketing and finance. So I told them no immediately. 
Why? Because my purpose was not to be lowball, you know, and even though I didn't have it, those other two offers came later, I just knew that wasn't, so you want to think about this? No, I don't have to think about it. So I would say to tell my younger self, make those decisions again because <laughs> bigger things are to come, even though that was a risk, you know, that was bird in the hand, but it wasn't really an opportunity. It was more of a test of my resolve to what I was really there for. And that's happened multiple times, you know. Could I have stayed at TCU? Sure. Could I have joined Game Plan before? Maybe. Could I stayed at Sabre longer? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably stay longer than I should have. But, but I'd stayed, and it was a reason for that. So my point to all that is, going back to what I said before, in the category of when you say never say never, be open-minded. Listen to others, that's trusted sources, and also to yourself. And be true to your brand in order to make sure that you remember who you are and who you want to be. And in that situation, both what happened within months of each other or year of each other, actually. I, was, I did just that, and I'm very happy because I did that. Now, ironically, my wife grew up in the Detroit area, so... <laughs> <laughs> so that's how in, in my in my uh, like it's like my, Texas it just yeah. keeps circling yeah, right, right. around <laughs> one, one of my uh, one of my nieces actually works for Ford so yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how that worked out but you're you're yeah. right though is when you and, and, and what's really funny is people people would confuse the dollar amount with the value right, right. Mm-hmm. is it's hard to say no to what would seem like easy business Right, right. Mm-hmm. But when you when you stay focused and you stay true to what the, our brand is, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't cut our commissions, right? And we do get asked every once in a while, you know, hey, well, you know, will you can we negotiate, you know, commission? Or, you know, and I'm like, well, the answer is always no unless you ask. And they're like, well, I'm asking. Okay, well, the answer is no. <laughs> and but it wasn't about, hey, is there a deal? It was just that, listen. If you're looking for someone transactional, that's not that's not who we are. Right. Right. We you you know and, and recently and this is actually a repeat client and great client loved them to death and was like hey let's talk about commission and I said look I I can I can appreciate the request but if you haven't identified this already here's what I want you to see what you get and this is why you this is why you pay full price with us. Mm-hmm. You got a team of five people, and everybody in here has got a college degree. Now, does that mean that's what you need to be successful? No, it just says that we're willing to go start things and finish things. Two, you have a lawyer on this team, and you've got two MBAs on this team. So, what other real estate team do you have that has this much experience, has done well over a hundred million in deal flow, and it has as much experience as us? That doesn't – you don't get a team like that because you got a coupon, right? You get a team like this because you want the subject matter experts right. that are going to go you're, – you're getting what you pay for. And I do believe that when people cut themselves short mm-hmm. because here's the deal. Once you put a discount on your forehead, there's – you know, it's really hard to Take go back from That's that, right? right? That's right. Because – what do you think they're going to go do? They're going to go tell all their friends, hey, they gave me a deal. They gave me a deal. They gave me a deal. And, you know, and I'm not going to say we haven't 
right? There was two right. occasions right. of which we did. One ultimately dissolved, never happened, uh, which there was a lot of broken promises from their end to us. Mm-hmm. The importance of documenting things in a contract you know, mm-hmm. is very right. important. Goes back to that trust. You know, fences make good neighbors, just like contracts make good business. Deals, right? <laughs> uh, and then the other one was a very painful experience, even though we got the deal done. Mm-hmm. But it was important to experience. Hey, if you do agree mm-hmm. to go do this at that discount, just understand you're focusing on the ease of it, mm-hmm. or maybe you're just trying to be generous for one reason or another. Is stick with, stick to what your number is. Oh yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. the people that respect you and value you mm-hmm. are going to be okay with it. That's right. You know, now like right. his other clients at Ash, I mean, not naturally, everything still went forward. You know, he was like, right. you know, actually his culture index is very similar to mine. So I was like, oh yeah, I would have asked too probably. <laughs> but it, it allowed us to, you know, still, you know, carry out very successfully. And and that's what I would tell folks out there, you know, especially these young athletes and mm-hmm. veterans and so forth is when you define what your value is, stick true to your value. Right. Right. And it, it, because the second you stop believing what your value is, then why should anybody else believe it and pay for it themselves? Right. 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 I mean, once you change the value or valuation of yourself, your business, your house, wherever else, it takes time to increase the value. And depending upon the market, you may be behind in that value equation. So that's why a lot of times that you know when in coaching and advising people they say, Hey, I've been looking for a job, you no, know, I've been looking at these things so I know I could get them fit. I said, Well no. Your eye level needs to be consistent with who you are. Mm-hmm. Who your brand what your brand is, who, who what you stand for, what your what your resume say you are. If you go below that, someone says, eh, they either gonna say something's wrong, they're running from something. So therefore, you're overqualified, which means I don't believe that you're really actually applying for this. So I don't want to deal with the headache. You're not going to be here forever. It's everything you can think of is bad. That's why you don't get those. But then what has happened to you? You don't the job you thought you could get slam dunk. They tell you no. All of a sudden, now you reduce your number, and now your esteem and your view of yourself is dropped. So just like when you do a deal, you discount and you don't get it. I mean, wow. Okay. Just, that's taking the shorts twice. So I think that's where you have to know your value. And even if you do give a discount or you give someone a deal, somehow you have to make sure they know what the manufacturer resale price or suggested resale price was. Such that when they repeat it to someone else, they're going to tell them that price as opposed to the deal they got. They have to feel special enough to say, Oh, we have a different relationship. That's why I got this deal. But you may not have that, so that's why I, I'm going to refer you, and it's going to come at a different level. When you're young and small business, that's that's a learning point because you know growth and more customers is what you're looking for, and as a result, that's definitely an area of focus for us as we work with more athletic organizations and we work with corporations where we have to make sure that we feel comfortable about the value that we have today and what that value will be in the future. And then we extract that value for the services that we provide. So in the software and technology we provide. So yeah, that's uh, it's interesting you brought that up because uh, that's definitely something we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know, 
I look forward to more of these episodes. Yeah, where you yeah. Come on. yeah. I, I enjoy these conversations. Yeah. And, Same here. You know, you know, when you're a repeat, you don't do it normally the mm-hmm. way we do it with the other ones. So if anybody wants right. to learn more about Kevin's journey and what he would tell a 20-year-old self, you can always go back to his previous episode, right. which there will be more episodes coming with Kevin Davis in the future. Yeah. With a wealth of knowledge to gift upon the listeners out there. So so now, how do people find out more about you? Yeah. And where where where, where to go? What are, Some plugs for the website, all yeah, that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Game Plan, our website is wearegameplan.com. If you are with an athletic organization of any size, reach out to us. Uh, we'd be more than happy of a service to help with the development of your athletes. If you're a corporation looking to hire young professionals, particularly at the entry level, who graduate from college, reach out to us. As I mentioned, if you knew there's a source of talent of people who are used to running on a schedule, working more more hours than not, and are have college degrees and looking for something, if you want to meet them in a cost-effective way, and also for them to get to know you and your brand and what you're about and what life is at your company, reach out to us. Also, I still do advisory services and work with executives of corporations and small business owners. And uh, so you can reach out to me on my LinkedIn, or or you can reach out to me on my website, ProfessorK.com. And for all the listeners out there, if you didn't have a chance to write all this down naturally, this as usual, when you go to www.myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcast and read more. Kevin Davis, the second round, you will be able to see all the contact information to be able to download, to reach out to Kevin if you're a business looking to hire talent. And if you're an athletic program that's looking to get some development, then by all means, please do. And as always, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere around the planet, uh, just go to our homepage on myexperiencerealer.com, click find a trusted professional and we'll get you taken care of. Kevin, thank you for coming, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Oh, he's easy. I looked down and I was like, shit, we've been in here an hour now. I was like, man. And I was like, it was probably a good time. Yeah, that had to be too. Yeah. <laughs>